Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. I've been getting in my steps, lifting weights, and now I'm trying really hard to get as much protein as I can. That's why I'm excited about trying Clean Simple Eats because they're just that, clean and simple. Their protein powder is always grass-fed with no seed oils or artificial ingredients. It's third-party tested and non-GMO and gluten-free. They've got 26 delicious all-natural flavors. You really can't go wrong with any of them. They've got Simply Vanilla and other unique flavors like cookies and cream, caramel toffee, and even cinnamon roll. I have a feeling my entire family may just like Clean Simple Eats protein powder, and they're probably going to use it every day because it's so easy to put into your milk or a recipe my daughter loves to bake or in a smoothie, which my son loves to drink almost every day. You can It's amazing really in any form. Visit cleansimpleeats.com and use the code ASKLISA20 at checkout for 20% off your first order. That's cleansimpleeats.com with the code ASKLISA20 for 20% off your first order. Hi, I'm Rena Nainen, and this is Ask Lisa, the Psychology of Parenting podcast. It's a podcast to help parents better understand their kids. Dr. Lisa Demore, a psychologist with three decades of experience and the author of three New York Times best-selling parenting books, takes your questions. Both of us are moms ourselves, and we're eager to hear from you. So send us your questions to asklisa at drlisademore.com. And you can join our community by following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. The handle is Ask Lisa Podcast. And also subscribe to our brand new YouTube channel, Ask Lisa Podcast. Episode 143, How Do I Raise a Compassionate Child? With special guest, Dr. Tracy Baxley. You know what I've wondered? What is it in adults who don't have compassion that maybe their mama could have taught them? That could have made a difference. That's my pressing question I want to know today. You do wonder, right? When somebody just seems to have so little um, trust in humanity and willing to sort of expand themselves towards it, you think, what went wrong along yeah, the way? How, exactly. how could that have been redirected at some point earlier in development than when I'm meeting you, this currently unkind adult? We're going to get an answer to that question today, I hope. That's a, good question. That's a really important question. Right? I, I've wondered this for quite some time. Super excited to welcome our guest, Dr. Tracy Baxley. She's a professor, consultant, speaker, and also a mother to five children. She's the author of Social Justice Parenting, How to Raise Compassionate, Anti-Racist, Justice-Minded Kids 
in an unjust world. I love that title. She is dedicated to supporting families, schools, and organizations in developing their own inclusive practices that lead to meaningful relationships with a sense of belonging. And Tracy is using her experiences and her expertise to support parents through the highs and lows of raising compassionate and independent children in today's complex world. Tracy, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's, it's an honor and a, and a pleasure, actually. We're delighted to have you. And Tracy, I got to read your book before everybody else did, um, and I had the honor of blurbing it. And so it's, I'm just so, so glad you're joining us today. It's such a smart book. There's so much wisdom in it. And we're so glad you're willing to think with us and our Ask Lisa listeners about all of your good thinking. And we have collected a whole bunch of questions from our listeners just for you. Oh, yeah. awesome. It feels like full circle for the three of us, really. It does. It does. It's wonderful. But first, Tracy, we just have a few questions based on your book, which we both enjoyed so much. What does raising a compassionate kid in the world today look like to you? Well, I think, first of all, it starts with examples, right, of how we're living our own lives. Um, And I think one of the things that is the most important to me as a mom, and I think it's also one of my greatest challenge is the idea of self-compassion. So I think our children seeing us um, show compassion to ourselves, showing forgiveness to ourselves. Um, I think when it starts for in ourselves and it uh, it's easier to see how it can expand out into the world. So I think the way that we model, the way, the way that we talk in our own homes, the way that we self-talk uh, really teaches our children how to treat themselves I think the idea of teaching our children self-compassion at home and modeling that really teaches them how to expand that out into the world. So interesting. I never would have thought of self-compassion as your first step in teaching kids compassion. That's so interesting. What, what's the difference between, let's say, compassion and kindness and empathy? Oh, that that's such a great question because they're often used interchangeably. And empathy is really when you are feeling somebody suffering, right? So that initial feeling that you you recognize that somebody else is suffering, hurting. Um, and then compassion is when that noticing changes to relieving. So I have this urgency, this wish, this desire to then relieve somebody else's suffering. And then I see kindness as the action part. So the actual doing of putting compassion in action. So I love that. It's sort of like it's like the one, two, three steps. Empathy leads to compassion, which is then enacted in kindness and the behaviors of kindness. I, that's such a beautiful, clear, and yet completely fresh to me way to break it all down. Um, in your book, you talk openly about the dynamics in your family, where you and your husband, who is white, are raising five children. Why focus on social justice? Why should parents be concerned about this? How does you know what you live at home play out in the work you do for the world? Yeah, I think it all starts at home, right? I always talk about the idea that um, activism really starts at home, right? It starts in your own house. It starts with the way that you show up with your children, with your spouse, with your partner. And I think because my family uh, have this uh, diverse um, cultural experience, right? My husband and I grew up the same in a lot of ways, but very different in terms of our racial awareness. And I think it's really important that I have the conversations with my children, right, coming from the the space of being a Black woman and, and, and my Black experience and lived experience. But I think it's also important that my children know 
what it's like for my husband to have grown up in a racialized world um, and what that those ex- same experiences and how the perspective and how different they were for him. And so I think it's important no matter what our backgrounds are um, in our homes that we're having those kinds of conversations if we're really trying to raise children who are empathetic, kind, um, and compassionate because it's it's the moment of seeing other people and believing their lived experiences that we really get to kind of move um, our children from just empathy to really starting to take action out in the world. Tracy, you know, this concept of social justice is so polarizing in today's world. I mean, it can really be misconstrued in the current political and social environment. How do you help kids develop compassion for people who do not see the world through their same eyes? Yeah, it's amazing how that word has become such a trigger word in politics today. But really, when I talk to kids about social justice, it really is everybody who's hungry has food, right? Everybody who needs an opportunity for employment, they have that opportunity. Everybody who needs shelter has shelter. It really is about how do we make sure that everybody has their basic needs met and they have opportunities to grow um, and opportunities to to become their best selves. And that's really all social justice is. It's really about how do we create equity so that everybody has the opportunity to live their best lives. I don't know how we got to the place where it's so weaponized and so polarized, and it seems like it's such an easy phrase or concept that we can all kind of rally around is making sure that we all as human beings have those basic needs met. That's so helpful. And and it is kind of remarkable how something that, you know, when you describe it the way you describe it is so clear as um, the right thing to do, just the right thing to do as a member of any group or any culture. Yeah, just being a member of the human race, right? That yeah. we should want those things yeah. for each other. Yeah. Well, Dr. Baxley, we have a ton of questions for you from our listeners that we want to take up, but we're going to pause, take a quick break. And after the break, we're going to have those questions. You're listening to Ask Lisa, The Psychology of Parenting. I was recently watching an interview of the wife of a world leader. And in the middle of the interview, she reaches over to pull her bra strap up. And I thought, boy, this is something all women everywhere are struggling with. This is why I absolutely love Honey Love. I have the crossover bra, which is just so functional, but it feels so good on. I feel like I've got the support without feeling like I've got this heavy duty bra on. I've been through all the bras. The elastic wears out, the underwire pinches into your skin. You have to hand wash some. You can only wash them this type of detergent. And I just wanted something that takes out all the fuss and will support me day in and day out. Honey Love's not just supporting women, it's empowering women. So treat yourself to the best bra on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com slash askalisa. You can use our exclusive link to get 20% off. That's honeylove.com slash askalisa to find your perfect fit. And after you purchase, they're going to ask you where you heard about them. We hope you support the show and tell them Askalisa sent you. Honeys, you deserve this. Free the pain and discomfort and keep the support with Honey Love. Earth Breeze Eco Sheets look just like a dryer sheet, But instead of being a dryer sheet, they're in fact an ultra-concentrated liquidless laundry detergent. It's really the best of all worlds. EarthBreeze is tough on stains and odors while being kind to the planet and to your skin. Personally, I get a huge kick out of using EarthBreeze. I love the fact that it takes up less space, is better for the environment, 
and yet it leaves my clothes smelling so good and it gets them so clean. Here's the bottom line. Making a positive impact in the world doesn't have to come at a cost to you. My clothes are clean, they smell great, and I feel like I actually did something good, not just for my laundry, but also for the earth. Right now, my listeners can receive 40% off EarthBreeze just by going to earthbreeze.com slash asklisa. That's earthbreeze.com slash asklisa to cut out single-use plastic in your laundry room and claim 40% off your subscription. earthbreeze.com slash asklisa. You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Welcome back to Ask Lisa, the Psychology of Parenting. We're joined by special guest, Dr. Tracy Baxley, who's helping us understand how do we instill compassion in our kids? What really works? All right, here we go. We got phenomenal questions. Our listeners are so thoughtful and they share such um, wonderful and real and detailed thoughts and questions with us. So here's the first. How do I initiate a practice of serving slash volunteering? My kids are 11 and 13, and I am bracing for some serious pushback. I, I think sometimes when we want to impose our will on our children, um, it doesn't work. It doesn't work very well. <laughs> um, and, and I think it's that's when you kind of have these kind of family meetings around what's important to you as families. I think it's really important that as families, we create these core values the things that are important and how do they look in real life? Like what does that look like on a daily basis to enact and to act on those core values? And um, 10 and 11 year olds have real ideas of what is true for them, right? What they're passionate about. And I think doing more listening and less pushing is really important because what's, what's important to them, what they find their passions in um, can be very different from what yours are. So I think agreeing, like our core value is about giving back and helping, what that looks like. Let's have some, you know, wiggle room around that. Like that could be something that's more fluid and getting them to have some say into what that looks like for our family based on what what they're interested in and what's important to them. Why is getting kids to volunteer so important? You know, we've got this question from a listener who asks, how do I get my kids to not be so self-centered? And I'm wondering, are these two questions kind of linked? They are, they are very linked. I think the more that our children are out in the, and this is, I'm going to kind of go backwards for a second. I talk a lot about the importance of having these hard conversations with our children early, right? Not sheltering them, not creating a bubble around them um, to separate them from what's going on in the real world. And the more that they can have access to the real world issues, the more that they can grow their capacity for empathy and compassion. So I think this idea of leaning into what's going on in the world is the first step to that. And then the second thing is the more opportunities they have to serve other people, the less that they are more entrenched about what's going on with them. They get to see, and this is another polarizing word right now, they get to see their privileges for what they are whether it's uh, race, whether it's socioeconomic, whether it's age, religion, whatever the, whatever those privileges are. 
they get to see how they can use those privileges in a way that um, are tools for change, right? Tools for action versus the way we're using it now often is this idea of weaponizing it. But the more opportunities they have to see the, the perspective of other people and do for other people, I think the more it builds their capacity to be less self-serving and more about how they can help other people. And there's the research shows that when we see or involved in are involved in acts of kindness, right? It it grows our spirit for more of that. So the more we see and do, really the more our kids are able to feel what it's like to do for other people physiologically, right? I love that. And I also love that idea of privilege is about the capacity to be of service to others, to offer something to others. And just thinking about, I love how you mentioned the research and and what you're reminding me of is like incredible research about the value. And I think you're, you know, gesturing at this of kids feeling like someone's counting on them, like that, like that there's someone out there who needs them or needs them to contribute in a meaningful way. And and it's you're, you're absolutely right. It's so well established in the literature that this is incredibly valuable for kids in all of these really, really powerful ways. There is so much beautiful work out in the world about the scientific benefits of teaching our kids compassion. It really does. The studies show that it kids who are compassionate can build relationships with their peers better they are more likely to have positive social interactions with with their classmates literally their heart rate slows down and they the hor- the happy hormone is secreted more readily right when they show compassion um it leads to more feelings of happiness uh, longer living their lives are extended when they show compassion so it really does have a lot of physical and mental health benefits as our kids become more compassionate. I love it. Okay, you mentioned social relationships. And one question that we got in multiple versions is, it's all well and good, I'm sort of summarizing here, until the kid you're trying to socialize with is super annoying. (laughs) So to sort of sum up the question in a gentler fashion, how how do you balance being a good friend with taking care of yourself? How do you manage hangouts and inclusivity and sometimes dealing with a kid who's challenging? You know, it's it's so, this is something that I struggle, not struggle with, but these are conversations that I've had with my children when they were younger, because I have a couple kids who are empaths, right? And they take on everybody's issue. They want to be everybody's friends. They want to be the fixer. And it was really important to have the conversation with my children about being compassionate and having boundaries. So really being able to to hold both spaces at the same time. And so really, I think role playing with our children about what does it look like to be compassionate, but what does that look like when your boundaries have been crossed, right? If it's a, if the child who's bullying you in some way when you're compassionate, consistently being rude, consistently showing up for you in a way that makes you feel not good about yourself or not not happy. So what does that look like to hold boundaries around that and recognize that you can be both compassionate, but hold your boundaries so that um, it's not infringing on your own mental health or, or, or physical health, really? 
You know, Tracy, that's a great question. You know, one of the one of our listeners also wrote in asking, "How do I teach my kids to be kind and compassionate and nice to people, but also to stand up for themselves and be assertive?" Yeah, and I think that goes with teaching them how to, how to hold boundaries, especially with younger children. It's I, I'm a big proponent of role playing, like having these, creating these scenarios, and um, I call it back pocket talk, so that our kids are ready mm-hmm. when certain things happen, they don't have to think in the moment. I know all of us as adults, you know, when we're in certain situations and when that situation has passed, we're like, oh man, I should have said, I wish I had thought to say, if I had to do that again, this is what I would say. Really equipping our kids with back pocket talk so that when certain situations arise, they already know what to say and they don't have to think about it. And I think showing our children how to do that, how to say things in a way that is compassionate, right? But it's also very firm. Um, because I think it's important for us to be able to use our words strongly, but use them still with compassion. Like, what does that look like? How are we listening, um, actively listening with care, right? How are we being mindful of our tone, right? And what our tone means. I always say to my kids, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. So you can say, for instance, no, in a way that's very kind, or you can say no in a way that is kind and firm. So really thinking about how we choose our words, how we show empathy with our words, but how we use them in a way that shows that we've created boundaries is really important, that we are role-playing, teaching our kids, giving them a language around that so that they feel empowered um, with their words. Back pocket talk. I like that, Lisa. I do. Tracy, do you have any like greatest lines, greatest hits, like phrases that you have used or that you've helped your kids have on hand? Well, a lot of a lot of the things happened during the 2020 election where my kids were really um, struggling with some of the conversations they were having with children and honestly that they were having with adults too, right? So there became a big division about whose side you're on really during the 2020 election. Um, and I also got a lot of that question from a lot of parents who have grandparents or aunts or uncles of their children who politically were on different, uh, in different places. And so um, a lot of the things that I would say to them is to tell their kids um, to listen, right? Actively listen, because people sometimes just want to be heard, right? And so you say to them, I will listen to what you have to say. And then when you're done, I want to tell you what I'm thinking, right? You know, so you have the, the, the conversation where you're saying, I'm listening, right? I I hear what you're saying and I I respect what you're saying and I want to hear your voice. Um, And then you give your children the opportunity or you give the adult the opportunity to to then say what they need to say. Sometimes when you have those conversations and those conversations are almost feel like a personal attack, then you give your children the language to say, I respect what you're saying, but what you're saying to me is offensive to me, or it doesn't feel good to me inside, and I'm going to choose to walk away, or I'm going to choose to know that we won't agree on this, and that's okay, but we can still be friends, right? So giving them the language to say, that's not okay with me. I hear you, and I respect that you have a voice on this, but I'm not good with that. It doesn't feel right for me, and I'm going to excuse myself from this space or this conversation or um, I'm going to hold boundaries around our friendship, right? Because sometimes it is in a place where the compassion, the biggest part of the compassion at that moment is self-compassion. And sometimes that means you have to exit relationships in doing that. That's incredibly powerful. And 
it's just interesting to think about how we're trying to coach kids to do something that adults themselves are struggling with so much, so right? True. And, yeah. And the kids are watching adults struggle yeah. with, you know, in the news or in in public space. And um, one of the things that's come up a lot post-pandemic is, you know, kids are coming back to school with very rusty at best and often extremely rough social skills. And I'm thinking all the time, yeah, but also look at the interactions around them. Look at what they see unfold in the discourse for adults. So what you just offered us really feels like a timeless model of dignified self-protection without actually being unkind to the other person and just you know, trying to really um, protect oneself while also being respectful of everybody else. And you know what? I think what we do a lot of times is we don't give children permission to be able to do that, right? To trust their gut. I always tell my kids, when your heart and your gut disagree, go with your gut, right? Mm. Because, you know, when kids are young and they don't want to hug Aunt Bertha, right? Yeah. We we always say, you hug her. She's your aunt. Go hug her. Yes. Right? And we're, we're teaching our kids not to listen to those boundaries that their bodies naturally want to kind of set for themselves. And so I think this idea of us teaching compassion, we also have to set boundaries around how to get our our children to still feel like they can create those boundaries safely for themselves and trust themselves in creating those boundaries. Hmm. Okay. So what about when it all comes home? (laughs) Here was something that came up actually in many, many different versions. So we're going to give you one, which is how do you teach siblings to be compassionate towards each other, right? All well and good with Aunt Bertha, who you might not see for a year, but like the kid who shares your bedroom, or at least is trying to play with all your toys. Like, how do we teach compassion between in those relationships? Again, it has to be modeled, right? It has to come from you. Um, When they are doing something that shows compassion, let's talk that up, right? Let's not let that go on unseen and unheard. So, I mean, my kids are all teenagers or young adults now. And when I do it now, they think, okay, 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 mom, like don't ruin the moment. But I still do <laughs> it. Like when I see them uh, reaching out, like when my daughter is the oldest, when she reach out, reaches out to her brother, who's also in college, just to check on him, it like makes my heart so full. Mm-hmm. And I say, oh my God, you're like you you're making my day knowing that you've reached out to your brother without me having to say check on your brother right and so i think as parents we have to kind of build those moments up to make them big deals um so our children know that that is the behavior that we are seeking that is the behavior that align with our core values um and then when those um actions are not happening then we have to think about you know why is that and i think a lot of it especially when they're young is have we taught our children to tap into what e- these emotions are, right? Um, have we taught them how to own these emotions, to talk about them, not just compassion, but just in general? Do we talk about what it's like to feel? Um, I know uh, Mark Brackett's books, uh, Permission to Feel, is such a great book on teaching kids, kids to go beyond like angry, sad, happy, um, you know, like what are those nuances of feelings? And so, when they start to feel the idea of what it feels like to have empathy and compassion, they've already tapped into these emotions in a lot of different ways so that these emotions feel kind of normalized in a lot of ways. But I think the idea of really teaching kids what emotions 
feel like asking them about their emotions um, is really important. And I also think it's that idea of saying to your children, are you sad? Are you angry? Is really could be dangerous, right? Because then that begins to define who they are. So it's really, I mean, it's a, it's a slight twist, but this idea of saying, are you feeling frustrated? Are you feeling angry? So that they know that those feelings are not tied to them, but that it's something that kind of comes and goes, right? Um, so I think really having overt conversations about emotions and feelings is really important for them to begin to tap in to what empathy and compassion feels like. Because when you're having those conversations about feelings, then they they start to feel like there's some, some compassion coming from you and asking them what they're feeling and why they're feeling those ways as well. Is teaching compassion to a three-year-old different than teaching it to a 13-year-old? I think it is because I think it's the language that you use to unpack those feelings. Um, Like for a three-year-old, I would say something like, it looks like you're feeling sad. Tell me why you think you're feeling sad and maybe explain to them why they look like they're feeling sad. You're holding your head down the way that you're looking at me with your eyes. And I know, you know, mommy just told you, know, that you couldn't, you know, stay up later or that you had, you couldn't have that ice cream. And uh, is that how you're, how you're feeling? Is sad a good feeling to describe how, what it is that you're, um, the emotion that you're having right now? So talking to them about what that sadness looks like for you and asking them if, if your feelings are correct in feeling that. I think it's still important that we ask our teenagers how they feel too, but it may look a little different. It may be like, you know, it seems that something looks like something's going on with you. What do, what are you feeling right now? You know, what what does that feel like for you and your body? What does that look like for you? Tell me what that is. Why do you think you're feeling that way? So helping them to be more problem solvers in that than um, ex- doing the more of the explaining. So I think it is tapping the same as tapping into those feelings, but the way that you ask them, it, it may be looking a little different. But I also want to say too, when you're dealing with teens and compassion, and I'm going to go back to this idea of self-compassion, I think teens really, they're in a state where they're more prone to like the self-criticism and the self-blame. And I think it's really important that we teach them to, to really tap into and zoom into what happens when they don't have self-compassion and how they start to believe, to build that self-compassion. Um, because I think that will go a long way for them to navigate through those teen years and then to be able to use that idea of compassion when it is attached to, to other people. It's just gorgeous. I mean, what I really, what I think I hear you saying, Tracy, is first we have to be incredibly compassionate with our kids that helps them to be compassionate with themselves. And then they are positioned to be compassionate with other people. But it's got to go that order. Yes. Is that yes. what you're saying? I, yes. Very well said. <laughs> Good summary. No, I just, I yes. love it. No, but I mean, you're just bringing to the front stuff that um, swirls all around us. And just to lay it out the way you do. I, I don't know. I'm just sort of like my neurons are on fire. Like I'm just... Um, just Neurons are on fire. Is that like a psychological, <laughs> like a psychology yeah. term the two of you bounce around? Uh, probably, but it's <laughs> sure a total perversion <laughs> of actual neuroscience. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, Tracy, let's talk about the limits of compassion. Like where, 
where it may not always be easy to summon or know what to do with. Um, we got this question from a listener. How do I help my kids be kind to someone who needs a friend but is not a good friend? Mm, I know, right? We one. get good questions. Yeah. I yeah, know. That, that is a tough one. Um, and I think it goes back to language, right? You can have modeling, right? Role-playing with your children, the language to use when that's happening. Um, using I language, right? You know, I, I feel that I am a good friend to you. These are the things that I do that I think um, demonstrate my, my um, friendship to you. I would love those things in return. These are the things that I define as a good friend. Can you talk to me about how you are re- reciprocating or, or this friendship is mutual? Um, I don't know the age of that that person, but yeah. I think middle school through high school, it's a great conversation for friends to have. You know, what does our friendship mean to you? This is what it means to me. This is a way that I want to show up for you. Does that work for you? How do you feel about the way I'm showing up for you? These are the things that I need in this friendship as well, right? Again, so it's about the language and it's also about creating boundaries, right? You know, maybe this is a relationship that no longer serves me right? People are in our lives for reasons and seasons. And maybe this is a relationship that I, that no longer serves me in some way. And so having those conversations with our, our kids about having to end relationships that no longer serve us is really important because I think in um, friendships and relationships, our kids sometimes, especially our kids who are empaths or who are very over um, compassionate, they can say in things that no longer serve them, right? And again, mm-hmm. it's about, am I having self-compassion by staying in a relationship where I don't feel good about myself um, at the end of it? So I think having conversations about what is friendship to you? What does that look like? Here is what I offer as a friend um, for you. What do you think you offer for me as a friendship? And then having the conversation about, does this still serve us both? Um, what adjustments can we make to make sure this friendship is a loving, safe friendship for both of us? And if that's something that can happen, maybe the boundaries are that, you know, we're distant friends. Hmm. Wow. I mean, I can't imagine ever, even with adult, having that conversation. It's so hard. But teaching kids at a young age, I think that's so great. So I've got to, before we go, Tracy, I've got to ask you this last question. Um, somebody posed this to us and and they wanted to know, are compassionate kids really better off in this hyper-competitive world? I think they are because I think it's what, what is needed, right? I think if we want to create the world that we want our children to live in, I think compassion has to be a part of that. Um, the science, going back to the science, right? The science shows that when you are a compassionate person, um, all of these things, including being in an environment that's competitive, right? You bring a different energy to that that um, environment. I think that serves everybody in it. Again, and I know I said this over and over, we do want to teach our kids boundaries around those things. But I think compassion is really the foundation for creating the world that we want our children to live in. Hmm. Oh, Tracy. Um, thank you so much for joining us and also for the really incredible work that you're doing. We're just so glad to spend some time with you. Thank you so much for having me. 
Dr. Tracy Baxley. The book is called Social Justice Parenting, How to Raise Compassionate, Anti-Racist, Justice-Minded Kids in an Unjust World. We're going to post the link to her book in our show notes if you're interested. Dr. Baxley, grateful you could join us. Thank you so much. What a great conversation. I love what she says about how the science that is behind compassion and why it's so important to teach our kids. I do too. And you know, Rena, how I love when we can bring the research to inform how we live our family life. It, it's, it's my favorite thing. It is. Absolutely. I know you love it. <laughs> so what do you have for us, Lisa, for parenting to go? I loved all of the language that Dr. Baxley provided in terms of how to talk with kids and also how to coach them in terms of having back pocket phrases. And this is something I've absolutely done a lot, both as a psychologist and also as a parent. I'm going to throw in a little twist that I have found works to help kids be open to all of that language, is I will usually say something like, okay, this is like my 52-year-old version of how to say this thing. You'll figure out how to make it your 12-year-old version, but here are the ideas. Because I've sometimes watched kids get hung up on the like, I'm not going to say that. And very rarely in their interactions are they going to use the exact language that we would come up with in our kitchen. So you can get them over that hump saying like, this is my version. What would your version sound like? And that can actually help really put it into action in the moment. Mm. Hearing her say about the role playing, which is what you're also talking about too, is practicing that. You're setting them up for success because they've had a round at it before they actually have to come face to face. Absolutely, right? I, I've been with parents who will sometimes say, like, why can't my kid say to the kid who just said to them, your shoes are ugly? Why can't they say, you know, you shouldn't talk to me that way. That's not cool. And I've said to them, okay, but if somebody stopped you on the street and said something like, would you be ready with that language? Like, <laughs> it's very hard to do. It's very hard to yeah. do. So I think practice, 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 and then make room for kids to make it their own. Sounds great. Wow. Um, I really enjoyed having her on. Uh, Dr. Tracy Baxley, Lisa, I want to thank you. And next week, we're going to talk about how much should you share about your kids and what are the boundaries you should set. I'll see you next week. I'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to the Ask Lisa podcast so you get the episodes just as soon as they drop. And send us your questions to asklisa at drlisademore.com. And now a word from our lawyers. The advice provided on this podcast does not constitute or serve as a substitute for professional psychological treatment, therapy, or other types of professional advice or intervention. If you have concerns about your child's well-being, consult a physician or mental health professional. If you're looking for additional resources, check out Lisa's website at drlisademore.com. We'll see you next week.